The following podcast is a Vasilis Scarlias production. Hello everyone, I'm Saloni. And I am Vasilis. We run Changemakers, a student-run initiative that aims to empower, educate, and connect Gen Zers interested in entrepreneurship. We interview teenagers with impactful projects and create resources to help you change the world. If they can do it, so can he. On this podcast, we discuss the logistics of creating different types of projects with Gen Zers who have already done it. We will leave our social media and website information in the description. Well, 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 welcome to the first episode of Gen Zers to Rise podcast season 2. We have a special guest for you today. Here in studio, we have Ronsley, a public speaker, author, marketer, and podcaster coming from Australia. He has an amazing podcast called Psychology of Entrepreneurship. And he is also the founder of Amplify Agency, an award-winning digital marketing agency and Australia's first audio marketing agency. He has been featured on many events. It's such an honor to have him on the show. Ronsley, welcome on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited. So tell us a little more about your background in business and psychology. Yeah, mainly I I think background background in entrepreneurship is important just because um, my first business um, uh, was a restaurant and, you know, so I, I people tell me all the time that I cook good food, right? So when I decided to open my first business, I was like, "Oh yeah, let's go and um, and monetize my passion." And uh, I opened a restaurant, uh, spent like I don't know two hundred two hundred fifty grand setting it up, marketing, you know, images, website, in back of house, front of house team the internals of the restaurant, the menu, all that stuff before I even opened the door. So it was already like, you know, a quarter of a million in 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 debt before I could even earn any money. And it was fascinating because uh, I realized that I could have been the best chef in the world, but if people didn't know that they had to come to this restaurant to eat food, it would just be kind of pointless. Um, and, you know, what, like... I learned a lot of things um, having a restaurant and having an old school business, in my opinion, because the business model around restaurants, especially in Australia, is kind of broken. It's very difficult to, as a starter, to make profit until you like maybe have a couple of restaurants. Um, the few things not that, that don't go in our favor here, like um, you know, minimum wage is, is high. There's a lot of different things that actually are not conducive to the business model of restaurant anyway long story short um uh three months after being married my restaurant shut on me overnight and i had half a million dollars of debt uh actually four hundred seventy-eight thousand to be exact and um it was i think that's when the true entrepreneurship journey began because it was like I didn't. I didn't want to declare bankruptcy because if I did, I could not open a business for the next five years, and that I didn't want to do that. And I just could not imagine having a job, which I did, by the way. I had a job like um, in in, a, in two days from the restaurant shutting, but 
I couldn't hold a job. I had like five jobs in six months or something stupid. So uh, I knew that <laughs> I couldn't go back to 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 working for someone. So um, business has always been uh, super fascinating for me, like a personal growth journey. Um, and then from that point, uh, learning to create different types of businesses by actually finding the people first and then solving a need as opposed to here's an idea, I'll build it and they will come. And I think that was my biggest entrepreneurial lesson is the, you might build it, they won't come. <laughs> you you got to find them and say, hey, what do you want? Let me build it for you. Uh, so that's my um, my the start of my business journey, I suppose, of my entrepreneurship journey. Psychology, I, uh, um, <laughs> Saloni, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I'm Indian, so we, we have, you know, we first study IT to figure out what we want to do with the rest of our life. That is a given. So I did software engineering. Um, and then I did a, a master's of software engineering coming to Australia. And when I came here, I realized uh, the workload is like stupidly low. Uh, so I got two masters here. So I got a master's in software engineering. I finished it on full workload because when I did my bachelor's of engineering in India, I gave 64 exams to get my degree in four years. And when you come here, the workload is like four, like full time is four subjects or three subjects. And I was like, this is simple. So then I got a, an MBA after the, my, <laughs> my, um, my um software engineering degree in australia so i got another i got another master's in business and i I specialized in leadership and psychology and um that opened up a whole bunch of stuff so i don't know whether i i am qualified to talk on any one of those topics but i realized that i'm just a student of both psychology and entrepreneurship and every time i have a conversation every time i release an episode i learn more about both those topics. Wow, that's perfect because both Vasilis and I are planning on going into like computer science and engineering. So we wanted to ask you how, like what prompted that transition from software engineering to business? And would you say that your background in that field helped you with business in any way? Massively. I've got goosebumps right now because computer science even though at the time I thought to myself, I don't know where I'm going to apply this because we learned stuff that now the whole world is built on. I learned blockchain protocols. I've learned security protocols that I use every day right now. And when I learned them, networks were not fast enough to even execute them. They were just theories, right? They were like, we had to find a way to to understand what computer, I mean, you know what computer science is if you're looking to get into it. The, the allocation of processes into a CPU is probably the biggest task loader that we had to learn for because now that's allocated to so many things because information is so freely available. It's like, how do you process that information? And obviously, task management in a CPU and multiple CPUs is probably one of the most advanced um, task allocation techniques out there because we've had to get better with the sizes of cpus growing smaller and so on and so forth so um 
I love computer science. Like I can't, <laughs> like I'm not one of those people who uh, think that academia is not good. Uh, I'm actually one of those people who feel like academia has helped me be so much smarter in a room. Like so, like by light years. People think that oh, they've gone and done stuff and they've achieved things, and um, they definitely have, you know, cred as being an entrepreneur. But the exposure that I've had to so many different ways of thinking, like I, I don't know. I constantly feel like I'm making connections in my brain that it's very hard for others to make, and and it's because of all these different experiences. So. I'm a huge computer science fan, especially now because everything is built on it. Um, and you understand so many things about everything, like, and only because you, I learned the principles of how things are done. So, uh, if you're looking to get into it, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it because it's just, I don't think it'll ever go wasted for sure. I agree with you 100%. Here on Change Maker Z. We're using a lot of computer science. We do data analysis, behavior analysis to understand what the listeners want to. So I think that both business and uh, computer science are subjects that they are connected 100%. So tell us a little more about your entrepreneurial ventures and the process behind starting each one. What I learned immediately after that was first to kind of go who wants it who do i who wants this thing so um the after on knock-on effect from you know having $478,000 of debt was that i had to obviously dig myself out of this hole i dug or i had to get out of this hole i dug myself into um so i didn't want to go back into software engineering because um, that would mean getting a job, that would mean going back into a cubicle, that would mean not paying attention to my creative brain, which is on overload. Like my creative brain, I can't stop it. It's literally like, I don't know, it's just a, a beast on its own. So I knew that going back into like software engineering would would not be a great idea. So. I decided as soon as restaurant shut that I would become a chef in another restaurant. So I became a chef in other restaurants and I sort of got better at that. And I opened uh, or I started the Uber for chefing in Brisbane, which is like there were chefs that had you know, spare time and there were people that wanted uh, food cooked for them, their weekly food cooked for them. You know, every week a chef would come into their home, cook all their meals, put it in the fridge, in their Google calendar. And they were all based on their nutritional goals and 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 what they wanted to achieve and all that kind of stuff. So to promote that, I started a podcast, um, kind of thinking, hey, if I could get parents to realize that, uh, you know, having fish fingers or McDonald's is not the best idea for your kids because they'll associate that with happiness as they grow older. Um, I started the podcast and I released the podcast three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and that podcast got a million listeners in four and a half months because iTunes took it and put it on the banner section of iTunes 
you know, the six banners that go around. And I was next to Triple J and ABC Radio for a few months. And, um, <laughs> and everyone was like, hey, help me start a podcast. And I was like, here's my Evernote folder. And I'm a, a you know, you computer scientists, sort of, you know, geeky people work in a certain way. They kind of looked at my Evernote folder and like, I don't understand anything here, Ron Sleek. Can you help me do it? <laughs> so this was my biggest learning in entrepreneurship. That point, what I did was I said, hey, Facebook. This was like 2014, 2013. Um, I said, hey, Facebook. Um I'm thinking of starting a podcast. I'm thinking of helping people start a podcast because this is what happened with Bond Appetit. Um, but I can only take eight people and six of them are going to be in a group. Two of them are going to be one-on-one. If you're interested, this is the process. But if you're interested, here's a time to schedule like a, a meeting. I, th- I think it was scheduled once, if I remember correctly, way back in the day before Calendly and all that kind of stuff came around. Um and they would schedule. So in in that week, I had all these conversations. And by the end of the week, I had 32 grand in my account. And I hadn't even built the course yet. I and and I was just like, wait a minute, this is entrepreneurship. And then I obviously the 32 grand didn't stay with me because I had to pay this debt off, right? So the money went straight away. But I created 17 or 18 versions of that. And I just paid my debt off basically by kind of going, hey, I have eight spots. Does anyone want it? And um, it was just the most amazing thing to realize. So when I started the agency, Amplify Agency, which is um, what I run now, I'm probably known, best known for it at this point with the clients that we have, um, I did not have a name before I had eight clients and one of them said, I want to, hey, Ronsley, a mate of mine can actually use what you're, what you're selling. Can you, can, what's the name of your company? And I'm like, Glenn, I'm going to call you back. And I Googled powerful verbs. That's how I got Amplify. You didn't even get to be. And um, then I realized that that's the way to start businesses is actually find the need, solve the need, and then build a business and a brand around that. I don't know. That's a long-winded way to answer your question. I don't know whether it, it did answer your question. So what advice do you have for people who have an idea but don't really know how to get started? Oh, it's a good question. The uh, advice I have for someone who has an idea and doesn't know where to get started is to first find out whether anyone wants that idea that they have because – you know, we can get so precious about the ideas and say, oh, we don't want to share it. Someone might steal it. I promise you people are not stealing ideas. Like, you know, you know how much it takes to execute on an idea? Like, I have ideas all the time. I don't execute on all of them. And uh, even if I give out ideas, people are not that hardworking to know how to execute on them. To, to the point that it's your question, right? People have ideas and they're like, I don't even know where to start. And you only know when to start when you start getting some reps. For example, you're never going to contemplate running a personal best in a marathon if you can't get off the couch and run around the block or even walk around the block as a starting point. So in business, sometimes we think about scaling to a million dollars or being a unicorn company and all this kind of stuff without even 
having the reps to walk around the block. And I think that's probably the biggest thing to understand in entrepreneurship is you could have the best idea on the planet and you could be the most technically gifted person uh, around that idea on the planet. But business has so many moving parts. There's accounting, there's team, there's operations, there's marketing, there's advertising, there's uh, streamlining culture, there's uh customer service, there's product development, it never stops. And an entrepreneur has to find a way to balance all these spinning plates by hoping that they don't be the, the block that makes it all fall apart. Because usually they are the block that makes it all fall apart. Exactly. Basically, you have to pass through different processes and steps in order to understand exactly what you have to do in order to succeed in your business is the marketing the customer service the product development as you mentioned so we're gonna have a little break and we will come back to you shortly a few years ago you gave a ted talk about having deep and meaningful conversations how can we connect with people on a personal level in a business setting it's fascinating. I'm going to tell you about my, this TEDx talk that I gave in 2017 because it was it was about having deep conversations. So when you read it out loud, everyone thinks. And for the whole, pretty much almost the whole speech, everyone thought that having deep conversations is how to get their point across and how to say their point better in a conversation and have a deep conversation. But having a deep conversation is actually about listening. It's not about saying things. It's about understanding and listening and having empathy. For me, I believe in business, every conversion in a business, every single conversion in a business happens in a conversation. It doesn't matter if you're getting a team member on board or a client on board or a partner on board or a sponsor on board or an investor on board. It doesn't matter what it is. All those conversions in your business happen in conversations. And I believe that with the evolution of technology, we've gotten bad at having these deep conversations because we'd rather text someone than have a conversation because we have time to reply. We have time to think over because we don't want to say the wrong thing. And we're getting into this habit of not using our voices. Now, I grew up in India where if I asked a question, they thought I was questioning authority. So my whole life, as soon as I opened my mouth, it was like, stop talking. And I, it's funny because now I've built a whole business and everything I do is around making sure people don't do that. People say what they have to say. And I feel like the more people correct me, the more people say, I don't agree with what you said, Ronsley. The better I am because I get a chance to refine my argument. And I believe that institutions, um, systems, structures have been created for us not to voice what we really think about because of ridicule, because we might not get it right. And as a result, we don't even know what we care about, what our voice is supposed to say, what what matters to us. And now when I think about 
think about the journey, my wife says this all the time, it's really funny because I've got so many entrepreneurial friends that I in the States, right? Uh, actually, all my most of my crew is in the States. And um, my wife says, it's funny that the American entrepreneurs think you're the Australian when you're the person who's come from India. You know, it's such a crazy clusterfuck um, of a twisted way of kind of going, well, what is this person and what does he care about? That's why I mentioned you, Saloni, at the start is because everyone would say I'm Australian and I would not correct them. But now I realize that um, as Indians, our voices have always been put down, made fun of, and ridiculed, and and um, I just feel a responsibility to kind of clarify that my ancestors and your ancestors did not have the opportunity to say what they thought of whenever they thought about it. And I have the privilege because of all the things that they've worked for, all the suffering that they've been through, that I can say whatever I want and and be ridiculed. And I think um, it's a privilege that I, I, I don't want to take for granted. So I don't even know what the question was. I'm sorry, but I went on a rant. <laughs> no, wow. That was amazing. I definitely resonate with that. And I hope that's something I can also bring forward in my career. So shifting to more of like the psychological aspects of entrepreneurship, how would you say your mindset has changed throughout your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, all the time. Like there's, there's a couple of things that I, I, that I remember, especially in my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, and I think everyone who's on that journey should remember is that environment dictates performance. So your environment and the people you hang out with will dictate your performance. So if you're not happy with certain places where you're at, kind of like shift your environment in those areas and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll shift for you. So from a psychological point of view, one of the basics that we all need to know is confirmation bias exists in every human being. And as an entrepreneur, it's important for us not to get caught in the trap of confirmation bias. And what that looks like is, I have an idea, let me go confirm and be biased about that confirmation, right? Go and not actually listen, but go around finding people who agree with my idea so I can confirm my bias. That's the problem. That's the hole we don't want to get stuck in because there's a slippery slope from there and entrepreneurship will have a very crazy way of teaching you a lesson that it's the other way around, <laughs> right? So from a psychological point of view for entrepreneurs, the first thing is confirmation bias exists and you got to actively make sure that you have different systems in place to remove yourself from that confirmation bias. The next thing is um, from a psychological point of view, the more conversations you can have with people that are willing to challenge your perspective on the world, the better service you can be. And if you keep feeling that the world is against you, it's because 
you are being selfish and only thinking about yourself, unfortunately. Uh, so shifting the mindset and shifting the psychology to how can I be of service in those instances allow us to get out of those little holes that we dig for ourselves by saying, what will people think of what I said? Should I go live? Should I publish this thing? What will people respond? And then you reverse that to going, what if someone watches that, reads that, listens to that, and they make this big shift? And it's not about me. And it's not about me thinking that some childhood classmate of mine would make fun of me because they saw my thing on Facebook because we get caught up in that as well. And um, so shifting our psychology from being the entrepreneur in the flashy car, in the helicopter, whatever these funny, you know, uh, Instagram people do, uh, influencers, whatever they call themselves, is shifting from there to how am I serving and how am I making this impact? How am I changing? How am I representing my ancestors from the previous generation? Because they've given me so much and I've, I'm in this privileged position. So I think that is all we have for today's episode. Thank you so much for being here with us today on our season two's first episode. It's what a pleasure. Uh, really, I love these because I get to meet new people. So, uh, Vasilis and uh, Saloni, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it was really nice meeting you. I learned so much and I can't wait to apply this to my own future. We hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. We had such a great time. Make sure you leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at changemaker.c to keep up with all of our new content. We also have a Facebook page called Changemaker Z, but you'll need to look that one because I honestly don't even know how Facebook works. <laughs>